0: Welcome to unit one of the Horse First Aid course online. In this podcast episode, I am joined by our lovely vet, Charlotte Hewitt-Dedman, and we are going to be talking about why you need to know normal for your horse, some vital signs that you can measure, other ways to keep your horse healthy, including making sure the environment's safe, dental care, and vaccinations. So lots of great content, lots of things that horse owners can put in place So I hope you feel inspired after listening to this to try some of our suggestions out. Welcome to Unit 1. In this podcast episode, I am joined by Charlotte Hewitt-Dedman. And Charlotte and I are going to be chatting through why you need to know normal for your horse, some vital signs you can measure, and some other ways you can keep your horse healthy. So Charlotte, great to speak to you today. Maybe you could just start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am currently working at Valley Equine Hospital in Lambourne. Um, I graduated from the RBC in 2014. I spent a couple of years in mixed practice. Um, I then have have done various traveling things, um, including some work in the Gambia, Thailand and uh, India. Um, And I completed a 12-month equine internship. Um, And as I said, I'm now an ambulatory vet with a particular interest in lameness and um, equine surgery. Well, you've certainly seen
0: quite an array of horses, I'm sure, (laughs) the Gambia and Lamborn (laughs) are rather... Yeah, have quite a different equine breed. Yeah,
1: quite diverse. (laughs) Yeah, definitely.
0: (laughs) So in this section, we're we're just thinking about what we can do to really understand normal for our horses. Uh, And why is knowing normal so important?
1: So um, I think really before you can start truly understanding what is abnormal, you need to know what's normal for your horse. Um, and often from a vet's point of view um, you know it this might be the first time we're seeing a horse so some things that might be normal for some horses are not at all normal for other horses and um, and really it's the owners that are going to know this best
0: well that's that's a really helpful um, thing to point out so the the horse owner is effectively the expert on their own horse when it comes to to knowing normal and as you said it might be a new vet practice, uh, or uh, and you might not have seen um, the horse before. So so that's great to know. So we really need to know normal. So what kind of things can us horse owners um, measure? What can we look at to, to help to keep our horses healthy and help us to know normal?
1: So um, there are a few basic things that we would use as part of our clinical exam that are perfectly easy for, for owners to have a look at. Um, so starting at the head end of the horse, Um, you can have a look at mucous membranes, and this is the gum color. Um, So in a normal horse, you'd want this to be a nice pink, moist, um, and when you press the gum, um, it'll turn white for a second and then go back pink, and ideally you'd like that to happen within two seconds. So in this way, you're you're kind of assessing circulation and also hydration status of the horse. Um, You can also um, pinch a little bit of skin to check if your horse is dehydrated. It should just pop straight back if you kind of get left with a, with a little skin tent, um, that suggests that your horse might be a bit dehydrated. Um, you can, um, if, if there are stethoscopes on the yard, you can certainly assess um, heart rate. Um, a normal heart rate in a horse is 20 to 40 beats per minute. Um, I think the one thing, if you've ever listened to a human heart and then you go and listen to a horse heart, is that it's very slow, so you have to be quite patient. Um, and you can either count this over a minute or you can count it over fifteen seconds and times it by four um, so other things that you can look at would be respiratory rate. This is quite an easy one to um to assess visually um so what I would normally recommend is is do this when the horse is sort of resting in the stable over the stable door without stressing the horse um and you you just sort of count um the, the chest movements there um, and again either count that over a minute or um or over 15 seconds and, and times it by four. Again, um, this is a pretty low respiratory rate. So it's eight to 16 beats per minute. Um, so it will seem quite slow, but that's perfectly normal um, for a horse. Um, you can use um, use nostril flare as an indicator as well, or you can kind of um, also feel the the breaths um, at the nostril end um, if you find that easier. Um, sure. And I suppose probably the easiest one, and in some ways I think for owners the most important one to monitor, is rectal temperature, particularly if your horse is doing something slightly abnormal. Um, so uh, it's useful to keep a rectal thermometer on the yard. These are just the digital thermometers you can buy from Boots. Um, and you can get some that are 10-second ones that make life a little bit easier. Um, and you just place this into, a little way into the rectum. Um, and waiting till it beats. So a normal rectal temperature would be 37.5 to 38.5 degrees Celsius. So um, time to use sort of taking temperature as a monitoring tool would be, as I said, if your horse is slightly off colour, not being quite normal, or if um, if another horse on the yard is perhaps doing well, um, or alternatively, if you've taken your horse out maybe to a show um, in the next few days, it's worth just keeping an eye on temperature um, just to make sure nothing's been picked up. Well, that's some
0: great suggestions. So that's yeah, quite a lot to say. Just to recap then, we can look at some colour, uh, and it should be pale pink and nice and moist, uh, and then check that capillary refill time. Uh, respiratory rates, you said we could measure Uh, And as you said, that's quite slow, and make sure we're counting the the inhalation and the exhalation. Otherwise, we're going to end up with quite a high rate, aren't we? Um, Heart rate, so you you described heart rate taking, uh, taking heart rate using a stethoscope. What about if you haven't got a stethoscope? Is there any other ways of measuring heart rate in the horse? Uh,
1: Absolutely. You can feel for a pulse. And mm-hmm. there are a few different places you can do it. Um, there's a couple of places on the horse's face. You can kind of feel um, almost under the horse's chin. There is an area you can feel a pulse. And also just behind the eye um,
0: uh-huh.
1: is, is another spot. Um, the other type of pulse that you can be feeling for, which is more peripheral because it's further down, but you can also feel for digital pulses. And this gives you um, an idea of, of, of foot problems as well.
0: Okay, well, there, there's some great suggestions, and I guess if first uh, people aren't quite sure how how to go about um, you know, finding the uh, the right place on the horse's face, they can always ask that when they're next out doing uh, routine yeah, work. And I guess if you can't find a place on your horse and it is standing up, then there isn't a need to panic immediately. You're always <laughs> just in the wrong place. It's clearly
1: oh yeah, it, it kicking. takes a bit of practice. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you've got a, a heavier set horse, you know it's the middle of winter. As well, with a a thick, hairy cob, it's probably going to be hard to find.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Those are some some great vital signs that that we can measure. You said temperature was the easiest one to do. And Mm. I'm sure, like me, I'm all about easy. But, I mean, that sounds super easy and it's great to hear you don't need any kind of specialist kit. You can just go and get any old thermometer from a supermarket or a chemist um, and and, and just do that. And as you said, from your perspective as a vet, that's a really helpful um, no um, sign to have it caused it isn't at temperature.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's interesting even even over the the day, you know, your horse might be a bit off colour in the morning, the temperature's normal. By the time your vet sees it in the evening, the temperature's shot up to 40. You know, it changes quickly, so it's, it's well worth monitoring.
0: Oh, that's, no, that's really interesting. And would you suggest that when owners are just establishing a sort of baseline normal that they measure these signs for perhaps a couple of days maybe at the same time of day and then take an average as you said things things vary don't they you know actually in the yard as well
1: yeah absolutely um i mean if you're really thorough then probably twice a day just in case you know it's influenced at all by routine um Mm -hmm. but but yeah um you know just start to get an idea as to, to what's normal for your horse really and then it means that you'll more quickly spot the abnormal
0: sure oh that's really helpful So um, I guess other things that we could look at, which perhaps a little bit less glamorous, would be how much poo your horse produces. As owners, we seem to spend quite a lot of time putting food in one end and then cleaning up what comes out the back end. Is that a useful indicator of how well your horse is?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I do think sort of some owners maybe get very hung up on exact counts. Um, but I think a, a good idea of what, what is normal for your horse is, is very important and also consistency. Um, so uh, the reason that we would be thinking about this in terms of amounts, obviously one of the early signs of colic is reduced fecal output. Um, so, you know, if you notice a sudden reduction and then this begins to be combined with other signs, then, you know, it, it starts to kind of alert you that something might not be quite right there. Um, and equally consistency, you know, if the droppings suddenly start to come very dry and then actually drop off and kind of, you know, you're getting less of them, that might suggest potentially an impaction or some sort of other type of colic. Um, and equally the other direction, if they're starting to get looser and looser, um, then, you know, you need to be thinking about why your horse is developing diarrhea.
0: Sure. So it's not not to be too obsessed with, with, as you said, two counts, but I'm sure it's something owners probably do when they're mucking out every day, making a, yeah, a mental assessment, just kind of keeping an eye. And if you suddenly mucked out one morning and there was like half the amount you normally take out, then that should be ringing a bit of an alarm bell. I um,
1: think so. Even if it's yeah. just that you then monitor more carefully yourself over the, over the day. Um, sure. You know, and, and, you'll then pick up other signs that go along with it that suggest actually things aren't right.
0: Definitely. Uh, and I guess the behavior is another thing um, that owners can, you know, really kind of drill down into normal horses are such individuals, aren't they? Uh, and they all have their own little, little ways of doing things. But I guess if your horse normally drags you to the field and, and then you're dragging it one morning, that's probably a, a bit of a sign of concern for an owner.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think, um, signs of pain in horses can be quite variable um and and obviously you know they can't tell you um so so you need to learn to read those signs um so by knowing what is normal as you say you know if your horse is very forward going and suddenly you know it feels like it has no life in it and um or for example if your horse you know reacts to something you're doing i don't know tacking up um that kind of thing. It might suggest pain of some sort, um, and, and uh, as you said, the signs can sometimes be very subtle. Um, so you know, knowing normal means that you'll you'll spot these subtle signs.
0: Oh, that's great. So lots for for horse savers to to implement, uh, and the, the kind of takeaway from from that would be just owners need to become an expert on their horse, and that can really help the the vet and the horse in the future. Great. So. I thought we could just chat a bit about vaccinations uh, because I guess that's another step that we can take as owners to keep our horses healthy. So why do we vaccinate horses? I mean, I'm sure some people just do it because they want to compete and you have to for particular competition. rules. What are the reasons that we are vaccinating horses?
1: So the reasons that we are vaccinating is, firstly, to protect your horse against life-threatening diseases. Um, but also to protect um, the spread of these diseases to other horses. Um, these vaccines stimulate the immune system and, and offer a protection in that way. Um, so the horse develops antibodies against that disease. Um, and in general, it, it's a kind of widespread um, health health plan, really.
0: So you're helping your own horse uh, and you're also helping uh, all, all the other horses. Uh, so, so that sounds great. In this country, we tend to vaccinate mainly for flu and tetanus, don't we?
1: Yes.
0: Um, um, I that's what the leisure horse is, is normally vaccinated against.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so that is the most common one. Um, so tetanus is obviously a fatal bacterial disease and can be found in the environment. So you get quite a lot of um, people that think if they have old horses that never leave a place that they don't need to be vaccinated. However, if that old horse, Um, cuts itself in the field it could quite easily get tetanus um, from that if it's not protected Um, and um, it's a really horrible disease if if you've ever seen one you know you certainly won't forget it Um, so it really is vital that you protect your horse against it Um, and then flu obviously um, at the time of this recording is is pretty topical. It Um, is very topical yeah definitely (laughs) so that's
0: February 2019
1: if anyone's uh, listening to the
0: future yes we've had numerous uh, cases and a bit of an outbreak it, at the
1: moment. Yeah, so it's obviously, you know, brought up a lot of thoughts about the flu vaccination. Um, and and really, the reason for vaccinating for flu is to protect your horse, um, but also reduce the spread of the virus to others. So flu is a highly contagious viral infection, um, and it's spread by sort of coughing and sneezing. Um, if your horse is vaccinated, um, there is still a chance it could get the disease however the symptoms will be a lot milder and and the shedding of the virus to others will be a lot less um so uh this is the reason why why we suggest um vaccinating now um sort of previously um the recommendation was obviously that you did your primary course um and then um and then you had a yearly booster for flu um The advice currently has changed. Um, So we are now doing a a six-month booster. Um, This is still very much in the kind of um, preliminary stages. We haven't had this confirmed as to whether we'll continue doing this. Obviously, those competing under the FBI, this is nothing different for them. Um, But um, this this may go on to be something we do routinely, or it might be we go back to our year. Um, We're sort of waiting for advice. Um, from the vaccine companies and um, the people um, testing the flu cases for this?
0: Sure, so tetanus there's just absolutely no reason not to vaccinate every single horse, old, young, busy competing or never leaves the field must be vaccinated for tetanus Uh, and at the time um, we are suggesting that a a six month booster for flu is advantageous. Would you say that's necessary for all horses like maybe you've got a couple of retired ponies at home that don't leave the the property do you think they still need that six month flu booster as well
1: so i think this is quite an interesting question and actually it's one i've been asked quite a lot recently um so there are quite a lot of older horses that are on livery yards where other horses are leaving but they don't go anywhere so actually they're not vaccinated for flu now my argument in this case would be that um that they could still get it from these other horses that are going out and about um, and actually all the ones are probably more likely to to, to be quite ill from it. Um, and therefore it's worth protecting them from that point of view. Um, the question about the immunity from the six months point of view, you know, we ha- we actually, we don't have proof that, um, that the immunity wanes between six and 12 months. It has been a suggestion. Um, and I think we just need to wait for further research to confirm that. Um, and there is, you know, some people think that if you vaccinated a horse, you know, routinely yearly for 25 years, they probably do have an element of their own immunity to it now. Um So there might be less reason to do the six monthly um, vaccinations. But quite often we will have to recommend what is on the data sheet for a vaccination uh, for that particular vaccination. Um, but, you know, we have to look at the individual situation, I think.
0: Yeah, sure. So That's that's a really good point that you make about the older horse. Uh, And I suppose if you liken it to humans, the elderly people are the ones that are offered a free flu vaccination, aren't they? Because if they do get flu, it's going to hit them harder. They're going to struggle to recover. So I suppose, to an extent, we could liken that to the older horse. Um, A flu vaccination, even if they're not doing that much, could still be really helpful to them um, because it's just going to... Prevent them getting um, flu or if they do get it they won't get it quite so um, quite they won't be hit quite so badly with the symptoms Oh that that's really really helpful suggestions thanks very much Charlotte so talking about tetanus you said it was absolutely horrible disease um, and all horses could get it because the bacteria that cause it lives in the environment um, what are, maybe you could talk us through like what are some of the signs of tetanus um, You know, is there a a kind of a
1: positive outcome or is it
0: just not um, a good prognosis in any case of tetanus?
1: So I would say that it is quite often fatal. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily that that they necessarily die of natural causes from it, but usually the signs are so severe that they're euthanized on welfare grounds. Um, So uh, it's sometimes known as as lockjaw because all of the muscles basically – Go into spasms, but they're it's, it's like, um, like the jaw is stuck. Um, so that's one way of, of, of sort of assessing whether you think a horse might have tetanus. If you try and offer them some feed and they can't actually open their mouth to, um, to take it. And then if you try and open their mouth, you, you actually aren't able to. Um, you, you might notice sort of muscle fasciculations. They'll have a very odd stance. Um, and it, it does send sort of, um, I mean, I've actually only ever seen one case of it, thankfully, but but it does tend to progress. Um, in small animals with intensive care in hospitals, you know, they're ha- smaller, I have heard small animals getting through, through it, um, but they're obviously easier from a management point of view to treat, um, but quite a lot of them also um, succumb to the condition. Sure. So
0: for uh, for the cost of an annual booster for tennis, it really doesn't sound like it's worth taking the risk at all. That sounds... A really yeah.
1: horrible horrible disease absolutely and okay. actually the thing with the tetanus vaccination is that um that actually only needs to be done once you've done the primary course it only needs to be done every two years
0: so it probably really is minimal outlay if that's mm. all you're going to vaccinate for then tetanus sounds like it would definitely be the one the one to do so actually, yeah. if you could just tell this through you've mentioned the, the different vaccination courses um so if, if someone's listening thinking oh what i think my vaccinations have lapsed, or Perhaps they've got a a young horse out in the field and they've been meaning to start its vaccination course but haven't. Perhaps you could talk us through, uh, like, how many vaccinations do you need to kind of get get up and running, as it were?
1: Okay, so generally now um, we we use a combined flu and tetanus vaccination. If you are electing to just do tetanus, um, then then slightly slightly different. But starting with the combined flu and tetanus vaccination, um, you give Um, One vaccination on day one. The second vaccination is given at 21 to 92 days. And the third vaccination is given at 150 to 215 days. Um, This number of days is is quite specific. And so if you go outside the number of days, um, we have to restart. So it is quite important. Your vet will write one, two, three um, down the side. Um, and we'll write the number of days. So it's important you get this marked in your calendar if you are um, starting a horse. Um, And then um, your annual vaccination will be a year after your sort of third vaccination as such.
0: Okay, it's a bit of forward planning by the owner because otherwise, as you said, you're going to be restarting. And what happens if you miss a booster vaccination? I know that happens to lots of owners. Practices are great at sending out reminders, but sometimes it just doesn't quite happen. So, what happens if you yeah if you've missed your boost? Do you have to start it all again?
1: Yeah, you absolutely do. Um, so, I mean, if your horse is not doing anything and you keep it somewhere privately, that's down to your own discretion. Um, but if you are in any way going anywhere, you're going to be on a livery yard. It absolutely has to has to be restarted, and it can be incredibly frustrating. I fully understand that.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. So just a bit of forward and using your, your calendar in your face could yeah. just, uh, just really prevent that from happening. And then you mentioned if you are having a, just a, a tetanus-only vaccination, you said it was a slightly different course.
1: Yeah, so actually the, the course is, is pretty much the same for the first and second vaccination. Um, and, um, but the third vaccination as such um, would, would effectively be 18 months after the second one. Um, and then after that, it's every two years. Uh, so you don't need that six-month um, six one that you need for the flu course.
0: Right, gotcha. Okay, so, so tetanus only, it's a bit more spread out, and the booster is every two years if people are opting for that. Yeah. Now, you've mentioned uh, already some kind of vaccination myths. Uh, I'm sure you hear lots of reasons why people don't want to vaccinate their horse that you mentioned, you know, old horses and young horses not competing. But as we've already said, tetanus doesn't care if you're leaving the field or not. Mm. Um, what are some other myths that you hear about vaccinating? Because I'm sure it's like every area of the horse world, there's just some misinformation out there.
1: Yeah, so um, obviously I've, I mentioned that um, this, this concept that some horses might have built up an immunity. Well, they might well have done, but, um, you know, <laughs> we need the proof that they are covered. Um, And, you know, we're following um, data sheets, which have quite a lot of research behind them. So, you know, there are reasons why we make these recommendations. Um, And I suppose um, some people think that the vaccination might make the horse unwell.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. Very
1: occasionally, they can get a little bit of soreness or it can make them a bit quieter or off colour. But, you know, it's very unusual to see severe vaccine reactions to the flu jab. It's, you know, it's very widely used. And and generally, horses tolerate it very well.
0: Oh, that's that's really good to clarify that. Um, And we've we've sort of touched upon the annual booster is not actually particularly expensive. Um, So I'm sure some people are motivated by money, but I guess it differs across the country. But I I think it's probably what about the cost of a lesson or the cost of a new matchy-matchy numbness set or something. It doesn't mean the cost shouldn't put people off, really. So I guess some owners are concerned about the cost of vaccinations. You know, horses can sometimes feel like they eat money, can't they? So should cost be a factor? Would that, should that piss people off?
1: Um, so, you know, in, in general, the flu vaccinations are not hugely expensive. Um, you can certainly, um, you know, ask, ask at the practice if they offer like a health plan, which might include your vaccinations, worms, dentals, that kind of thing, um, for a certain price a month. Um, sometimes vaccine companies um, do put out offers where you maybe get the second vaccination for free if you're restarting them. So there are options out there, but but generally, um, you know, compared to what it would cost to treat one of these conditions, um, it um, is quite a lot. And actually, um, one interesting thing that I did uh, pick up recently um, in in the whole sort of flu situation is that um, if your horse is not vaccinated for flu, um, then it won't be covered on its insurance for, for any treatment for flu. Um, that is so a really good in point.
0: Mind. Yeah, really, really good point to make. Yes, no, and as said was saying with tetanus, if you don't have an upstate tetanus cover and you then had to make a claim, uh, it, it wouldn't be covered either. Yeah, no, that's yeah, a great absolutely. point. So for not a huge amount of money, maybe the price of a lesson or a new smart matching number, you could be really saving your horse's life from tetanus and protecting it from flu so no, that's really good to, to bust Boston stay excellent so we as owners we can check these vital signs we can really know normal and vaccinations are a great way to keep our horses healthy now horses do um do love to injure themselves don't they and just yep. trying to <laughs> trying to provide them a relatively safe environment they sometimes do seem to find things that perhaps we haven't spotted to injure themselves on um i mean what, what are kind of things can we look out for at our yards and, and fields just to just to keep our horses as safe as possible because I, I guess sometimes you just don't um spot that bit of broken fencing or that loose nail you just missed it or something but your horse will find it
1: yeah i think it's quite useful maybe you know once a month to just Um, or every couple of weeks, just take a walk around the yard, around the fields, and look for some of these hazards. So, you know, pieces of machinery, um, they can be pretty sharp. If your horse is walking by, something spooks it, um, you know, that can really cause um, cause some damage. Um, Unsuitable fencing, if a a fence is slightly broken, um, then they can get caught on that. Or even um, stock fencing, they can get feet caught in that barbed wire. Um, All things that can cause fairly nasty injuries. Um and um, you know, just in the yard, nails sticking out or if it's um a working farm you might have, you know, bits of wood um with, with nails sticking out. Um and and ditches as well um in the fields. It's it's worth um thinking about those. It, there's certainly been many cases of, of horses getting stuck.
0: Well that's some great suggestions, and I, I suppose uh, you you probably see a whole array of hazards as well as having to deal with the, uh, the injuries. So yeah, Yes, some of you never even see. thought were
1: hazards. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> but as we said, your horse will find it. No, yeah. Great great suggestions, and everyone can just you know, take take a walk around, maybe at the weekend, and just try and lick with fresh eyes, I suppose. Um, so another thing I wanted to ask you about is dental care. So obviously, looking after your horse's teeth is really, really important to keep them um, healthy. So the question that I hear quite a lot is, who should look after my horse's teeth? Does it have to be the vet? Could it be an equine dentist, a dental technician? Perhaps you could just give us a little bit of information on, on the difference between, between those um, options and, and, and what owners might like to consider.
1: Yeah, so um, I think that you, you can either get your teeth done by um, a vet or an equine dentist, but if you are going to use an equine dentist, you need to make sure that they are registered with the British Association of Equine Dentists. Um, so ensure they're qualified, registered, and insured. Um, and you know, if you're not sure, um, then potentially um, double-check this with your vet. Um, you know, we're more than happy to to offer um, advice or, or or check whether whether someone is um, does have the appropriate qualifications. But I think um, either is absolutely fine.
0: So, what can, is there anything a vet can do that the equine
1: dentist
0: and equine dental technician can't do? What are the kind of main main
1: differences? So, um, obviously, a a vet is able to sedate a horse um, for any procedures or if your horse is particularly fractious during um, dentistry. Uh, I've certainly had situations where I have gone out to sedate for a dentist and I assume in that situation, it, it financially made sense. Um, but potentially, if, if you know you have a long-term fractious horse, perhaps in terms of paying for visit fees and, and um, examinations, it might be cheaper to get it all done by your vet. Um, a dentist cannot actually remove teeth. So um, if, uh, if they find an abnormality that, that requires this doing, then they need to, to um, pass the case on to a vet. Um, but this doesn't mean that an equine dentist can't look after the routine care of your horse's teeth.
0: Oh, that that's really really good to highlight. So I I know I hear I hear mixed opinions and, and and people say, oh well you know the vets more like a GP and I'd rather have a dentist for my own teeth and I, I want the same for my horse. But that no, that's great to point out that only the vet can do the sedating, which might actually result in whoever's doing the teeth to do a better job if they can get further into the back. Uh, and what do you think? Teeth should be checked every six months, every 12 months, or just on an individual basis?
1: It's very much down to the individual. So um, I think for most horses, 12 months is fine. Um, but I generally recommend for any horses that have, um, have problems um, that usually I recommend a six-monthly check um, just to, to make sure we're not letting it sort of get out of control um, in that way. Um, yeah, I think six to twelve months and do you think
0: older horses need their teaching more frequently?
1: Um, really it's down to the individual. Um, yes, they are more likely to have have issues um, but uh, But again, there are some older horses that that do absolutely fine on a 12 monthly examination
0: Oh, okay. Well, that, that's really good to clarify and what would be some signs you know if if you say you're going on annual some um annual dental check some owners like to tighten vaccinations don't they yeah if what what could you uh what signs could you maybe spot as a horse owner that actually your horse's teeth need doing a little bit sooner than that
1: uh so um dropping feed um a general change in eating habits um bad breath um Nasal discharge, uh, swelling in the face, um, and quitting, which is um, which is again where they're where they're dropping their feed.
0: Okay, so any changes to how they're eating? Uh, you have bad breath. That's a great, I like, just like humans, um, or their, their face being swollen. I guess that would be really quite painful and uncomfortable for them. Yes. Um, so those would be some some good things to to look out for. Uh, and what kind of problems do you see? Like other conditions, do you see as a result of poor dental issues I guess you probably see some other knock-on conditions
1: uh, yes so um, one of the main things that you can um, that can develop from an untreated um, tooth abscess is a sinusitis um, so uh, because a lot of the cheek teeth uh, are sitting um, on the on the upper arcade are, are sitting just under the sinuses um, these uh, this can cause um, an infection there and therefore you might see uh, nasal discharge out of maybe one or or both nostrils. Um, And it usually smells pretty bad.
0: Yeah, that's something we definitely, definitely notice. Yeah. Uh, And I guess if they can't eat their food as well, they're going to be losing weight. Uh, They're going to just be looking a bit poor in general.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, for example, any horses that I examine for choke and particularly recurrent choke, um, I will uh, always check their teeth. And again, um, you know, maybe not a one-off colic, but if something is colicking mildly recurrently, um, I would certainly have a little look at their teeth just to check we weren't missing anything there.
0: Oh, that's really helpful. So lots of signs to look out for, uh, to indicate a, a dental issue. Um, but, uh, and you've, you've highlighted who should be looking after their horse's teeth. It, it's really down to individual choice, but the important thing is that they are registered qualified and insured that's that's really great to clarify that so how about um from perspective of keeping horses healthy how about weight now that can sometimes be a bit of an awkward conversation with horse owners, i imagine
1: yes um some people do uh take comments about weight a little personally for their horse um but um it is really important that that we are keeping horses um a healthy weight um and sometimes um I think uh, people, uh, people imagine their horse needs to be uh, looking a little plumper than, than it really does. Um, so uh, problems that we get related to, to weight loss would be, at, uh, related to obesity, would be um, equine metabolic syndrome, uh, insulin resistance, and laminitis. Um, but also, obviously, the horse will be more prone to soft tissue injuries and, and generally is going to perform better if it's at its ideal weight.
0: Yeah, definitely. So people just take it personally if their vet highlights to them that their horse could lose a few kilos, and it's it's just another another great thing we can be doing to keeping horses healthy. Uh, and as you mentioned, preventing some horrible diseases uh, and reducing the risk of laminitis. Yeah. So from an owner perspective, unless your vet helpfully points out that your horse is perhaps a little bit overweight uh, and you don't get too offended, what's the best way to to assess um, horse weight. I guess you could use a weight tape, put them on a uh, weigh bridge. You, what, what are your thoughts? What's the best way to do that?
1: So, um, when we're assessing um, body condition score, we use a nine point fat scale. Um, mm-hmm. And it's to do with um, the fat covering in different locations. Now, this is, is possibly a little bit more complicated, but um, I still think that, that you are sort of clients are able to um, notice uh, perhaps um, a horse with a an enlarged crest or a fat pad just beh- beside the sh- sort of just behind the um, shoulder um, or over the gluteal muscles um, and um, you know if you're completely unable to palpate your horse's ribs and you can feel fat over them then you know that, that suggests that they are o- overweight um, but uh, if, if, if this isn't sort of something you feel confident in then um, at least um, weight taping your horse um, if you don't have a weighbridge um, and make sure you're doing it consistently um so the same person does it um so then you're kind of monitoring any weight weight loss or weight gain if your vet is advised that you need to get the horse to lose some weight then then you can make sure you're doing this by monitoring that
0: so a weighbridge is a bit like a giant sort of sort of horsey bottom scales i guess uh yes not something that everyone has in their own yard but i guess you can no. go to local practice Um, Mm And feed companies can come out uh, and assess your horse's weight. And I guess even if your horse isn't overweight, it's quite useful, isn't it, to know what they do weigh rather than guessing when it comes to worming and so forth. Because it can be really hard to judge a weight just by looking, can't it?
1: I think so. And it's so important, um, you know, particularly with with concerns about worming resistance and and even other drugs, um, that we are dosing things appropriately um, for the weight.
0: So establishing the right weight in kilos would be really sensible.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, weight tape, as you said, it's not always as, quite as accurate, is it? But no, it's but
1: it's nothing. better than nothing. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I guess if you use the weight tape, I don't know, every two weeks or every month, you would notice a bit of a pattern because it, it's so hard, isn't it? When you see your own horse every single day, they just sort of look the same until you find that your girth won't do up one day or something. So yeah. it would probably be an easier way to, to spot but, um slow weight gain um, before it becomes a big problem and then the body condition scoring system that you mentioned so that that's really kind of feeling different areas of your horse uh, mm. and seeing how much fat there is but as you said being realistic and not pushing into your horses with so hard that you need to push the horse over you yeah should, uh, you should be able to feel these structures relatively easily otherwise Definitely. then the horse needs a, a higher score so Making, um, working out if your horse is healthy, it really is a combination of the weight as a number and the body condition score and then making a bit of an action plan from there, I guess.
1: I think so. And, and you know, if this is something that you're concerned about then at your horse's annual vaccination, um, make sure you ask your vet to just talk through with you and, and how, how you can kind of monitor these things.
0: Yeah, definitely. But being, sort of opening your eyes, maybe is perhaps the flight way to fit it to your horse's Weight, I mean, either maybe it's ideal, which is, which is yeah, great, I think so. but maybe it's not, and then you need to, need to do something about it. Well, that's so helpful. Thanks so much, Charlie. We've covered lots and lots of ground. So there's lots that owners can do to just keep their horse healthy, lots of preventative steps. So I think the key takeaway is that the owner is the expert on their own horse, and just by monitoring some of these signs, they can really help pick up a, a problem earlier. Um, rather than knowing every single different problem that can go wrong with their horse. Just knowing normal is a really good place to start.
1: Yeah, I think that's really an important take home.
0: Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time, Charlotte. That's been really helpful. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode all about knowing normal for your horse. The main takeaway from this would be to please measure your horse's temperature. It really is quite straightforward to do and it can provide you with such useful information if your horse is ever slightly off color. It would be really helpful if you could complete a bit of a risk assessment around your yard. As Shaolin and I mentioned, horses just seem to find things to injure themselves on even if you think everything is safe. Think about dental care and hopefully we've given you the information to decide who should look after your horse's teeth and also try and uh, assess your horse's weight and body condition score. There's so much we can do to prevent horses becoming unwell by keeping their weight healthy.